there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. The unconscious circle of humanity identifies with every event, giving energy to that event. As you know, life is not what we think it is. Life is quite simply a series of mechanical events. And that's what life is. It is the movement of events, recurring events, coming around again and again and again. Well, what does that mean? It means that it's sunrise, it's sunset. It means that you eat breakfast, you eat lunch, you eat dinner, whatever you do in between. And then you go to bed and you wake up and you eat breakfast and you eat lunch and you eat dinner and you whatever you do in between. And you do that over and over and over again, a series of repeating events. That's what your life is. That's what life in general is. We have a war, then we have peace. Then we have a war, then we have peace. Then we have a war, then we have peace. Over and over and over again. We have happiness, then we have sadness. We have life, then we have death. People are born and people die. This goes on over and over and over again. So life is a series of recurring events. The unconscious circle of humanity, that's us, identifies with every event, giving energy to that event. Does the event need energy? Probably. It certainly gets it, whether it needs it or not. So where does that energy come from? Well, that energy comes from you. You are like a source of energy. You're hardwired into something that has infinite energy. And so you're able to give that energy to something. And the unconscious circle of humanity gives that energy to the events in life. And so what that does, in a sense, is it powers the events in life. So it's kind of like if you, you ever see those things in a schoolyard where the kids get on it and then someone pushes it and it's a circle and they all get to ride on it. I don't know what they're called, but whatever they're... A merry-go-round? Okay, whatever. I guess you can call it whatever you want. It's not a merry-go-round because a merry-go-round is one of those things they have in amusement parks. And you know. And not only that, but I've been on those things that you go around, the kids push around. They're not that merry. Have you, have you ever been on one? It's not that merry at all. You know. First of all, somebody's always going to throw you off to get your place. Either that or you, you go too fast and you throw up. Or, you know, there are lots of things. You get dizzy and you fall off. There are lots of things that happen on those merry-go-rounds. And not only that, but they're in dirt. So when you do get off, you get off in dirt. And we always jump off while it's still going, right? So so we always get a mouthful of dirt, too. So there's nothing really merry about it, unless, of course, you're a kid, I guess, and maybe a mouthful of dirt and being dizzy and throwing up is great. Then it's merry. Oh, we're having a merry time now. Whatever. But they're giving energy to it, and that's what makes it go. It doesn't go by itself. That's the point. The thing doesn't just turn by itself. It needs people to push it. And when people are pushing it, they're giving it energy. Well, they may be giving their friends a ride. And do you ever give your friends a ride without the merry-go-round? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You buy into their stories. You listen to their garbage. You feed them your own. You, know, you push them along with your complaints and your this and your problems and oh this and that and your gossip and you let them know how wonderful they are by telling them your gossip and sharing the information because information is power. You share your secrets with them and they share their secrets with you and you're in this conspiracy together and you're feeding each other energy and you keep this thing going around and around and around. This is life. We lose energy at an alarming rate by identifying with each event. Well, I don't identify with each event, really. I got an email the other day, and someone was just so ecstatic, just so happy. 
oh, everything is wonderful. I love everybody, blah, 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 blah. And it's such a, it's Friday. It's the end of the week and it's the best day of the week and yada, yada, yada. And I thought, man, am I glad I don't live like that? Because all I can say is I'm just so glad that I don't live like that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. You want to live like that, enjoy yourself. I'm glad I don't. I don't want to live like one day is special and different from the next. I don't want to live like this day is going to be special and make me feel happy. And this day is going to be not special and make me feel bad. On Friday, I'm going to be happy because the calendar has come up and it's happy day. And on Monday, I'm going to be blue because the calendar came up and it's Monday blue day. And on Wednesday, I'm going to be like almost happy because it's hump day and I'm almost to Friday. You know, it's like, I don't want to live my life like that. If you live your life like that, that's your business. That's fine. But this work really doesn't recommend that. This work says that that's really giving your energy to the events in life. This work says that you're losing energy. If we don't identify, then obviously we save energy. Well, what good is energy? Well, what, what good is energy? Well, in our energy world today, I mean, the whole world is all about energy, isn't it? It's all about this big energy crunch. It's about who's got this and how much you pay for oil and how much you pay for gas and how much you pay for electric. It's all about energy. We need the energy to run this. We need the energy to do that. We need energy for this. They even sell little energy drinks now, for God's sake. It's not enough that you got to put it in your car. It's not <laughs> enough that you got to have it here and there. Now you have to put it in your body. Why? Well, because you are wasting so much energy every day, giving it away to events, that you've got to have little energy hot shots that'll pull you through another three hours. Great. We're really on track now, aren't we? So we're talking about a personal energy crunch. We are part of the unconscious circle of humanity. Sadly, when we identify, we are eaten. What are we eaten by? Whatever it is we're identifying with. Whatever it is that we're identifying with takes a little bite out of us, or it takes a lot of little bites out of us, or it takes big bites out of us, depending on how much we identify with the event, how big the event is. This work teaches us to save energy. Unless we save energy, it says, we cannot awaken. So this work says that the purpose for energy, why you are hardwired to this infinite source of energy, is so that you can develop into what you were created to be, what you were meant to be, your genuine, real, created purpose and meaning. Yes, you have a real meaning. You have a real purpose. There is something that you are supposed to do. You were created to do. And you think, oh yes, well, I'm sure I was created to find my soulmate and live happily ever after. Oh no, I'm sure I was created to win the lottery and have a lot of money and, and tip some guy $100 when I should have given him 1000 or whatever. You know, I'm sure that that's all true. And that's not really what the work is talking about. The work is talking about an inner development, a second birth that is very vastly different from this world and this birth and this first education and this first birth and this first purpose. Your purpose here is to survive in this body. That's your purpose here. That's life's purpose for you. Survive. Survive so that it can harvest you, so that you can be one of the fish in the 20, 50-pound boxes of frozen fish that are shipped somewhere. That's your purpose for life. Life has a purpose for you, to hook you, to pull you out, to fillet you, and to freeze you and send you on to where you can be eaten at leisure. Or to eat you on the spot, you know, like a bear would do with a salmon going upstream. <whistles> Caught it. I'll eat it right here, thank you. No sense in wasting any time. There'll be more salmon to eat. You know, how, many, how many salmon is a bear going to eat while it's standing there in the water, fetching out salmon as they try to swim upstream? That's us, and we feel sorry for the salmon sometimes. You ever feel for the salmon? Wow, man, what a bummer. Not bad enough, they've got to swim upstream, but they've got to have eagles and fishermen and bears and God only knows what, just trying to bash them and stop them and eat them and kill them and make sure that their drive isn't completed. And if you don't feel sorry for them, if you don't have some compassion for them, you don't understand your own condition. 
because you're like that. You're swimming against life because the stream of life is flowing past you at a rapid rate. And mostly, you're getting hit by this event and that event, knocked off course and knocked back and knocked back and knocked back. And each time you do, it takes more energy to get even closer to your goal until you finally just lose sight of your goal altogether. Where was I going? The only thing you know is to swim in the direction that is difficult. Because if you swim in the other direction where it's easy, you're not going to live. You're going to die. But some people are happy to die. Good, I'll swim in the direction where it's easy. Let me die. I don't care. But there are some salmon that don't do that. They have this instinct, this urge to get upstream and spawn, to be born again, as it were. So being unconscious is a tremendous handicap because life's repeating events suck our energy every time. You would think that once you'd been stung, you would know. But it's not that way. Look at how many times you get stuck by the same event. The very same thing. Someone didn't say the right thing about the painting. Someone didn't let you out when you were trying to get out into traffic and you'd been sitting there for five minutes. And then someone had the opportunity to let you out, but they just pulled right up and left no space for you at all. How unjust is that? These damn sleeping machines. I mean, come on, has that happened to you? Isn't that what you said? Look at them. They're sound asleep. They never even looked. Or you see someone who looks and then pulls up and doesn't let you out because they'd lose their place in line. They'd have to wait an extra three seconds. And it just isn't worth it. Three seconds? Do you have any idea how important I am? I don't have three seconds to waste. You have three seconds to waste. You've been sitting there five minutes. You're obviously too stupid to get out of there. So I'm not going to cut you any slack. You're going to be in the Darwin Awards this year, I'm pretty sure. So it's like that. And then we really get upset because then we imagine that the sleeping machine at the wheel there is awake. Like we imagine that we're awake. And boy, once we imagine that they're awake and they're doing it on purpose, we're ready to kill them. And you can tell how many times you've done that. The same thing. Okay, maybe it wasn't that. But take any event that you do that with. That's what we're talking about. Tremendous handicap. What makes you a machine is that you identify with everything said to you. You identify with the news. So this person I got this email from is about, oh, what a wonderful day because it's Friday. And, and I said, yeah, well, it's not that way for everybody. And that was it. That's all I said. It's just not that way for everybody. And she wrote back and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just found out what happened in California and other parts of the world. I'm so sorry. I thought, okay, and this is about what? So I go and I check CNN News on the computer, because I'm on the computer reading my email, and it says that there's a natural gas line blew up some neighborhood in California and there were some people killed. And this is what the person was so sorry about. And this was supposedly making me have a bad day. And I thought, oh my God, when you're identified with everything in life, you can't even imagine that someone may not be identified with everything in life. And so I wrote back and I said, okay, well, I found the news story. And no, that had nothing to do with what I said. All I'm saying is your location on the pendulum swing is not the same as everyone else's location on the pendulum swing. That's all. That you're over here at this end. There are other people at, at the other end. That's all. I'm not saying anything else. Just a matter of perspective. Just a matter of trying to bring some perspective into life. You know, it's just not that way for everybody. Yes, it's true. There are millions of people who are going around happy because it's Friday. And there are millions of people who are going around very unhappy because it's Friday, or not necessarily Friday, but because the gas line blew up, or this happened, or that happened. It doesn't matter what it is. The point is that our job is to look at it. Our job is to observe it. Our job is to locate ourselves in it and see it and look at it as if we were looking at an interesting stranger. That's what we need to be doing. So my job is to say that. So someone writes to me, that's what they're going to hear. Someone writes to me about somebody tipping, what they're going to hear is my view on that. And my view on that is not really going to be my view because I don't really have any view about it. What would it matter what my view is? The only thing I have to say is what the work says. Why is that? Because that's the only thing that really matters. Everything else is just story and opinion. And really, who cares? 
If you're nobody, and of course you aren't, but I am, if you're nobody, then you don't need an opinion. All you need is to align yourself with the truth. And when you align yourself with the truth, you're nobody. The truth is everything. And that's all you want to talk about, and that's all you want to look at, and that's all there is for you. And if you align yourself with your story, then you can align yourself with the story of life and other people's stories, and you can have a wonderful, interesting life. Personally, I'll pass. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in escaping from this insane asylum that we are trying to awaken in. So, the news. We identify with everything. Everything that's said to us. Every look that someone gives us. Every look that someone doesn't give us. They drive by us and they don't look at us and we're mad because they're unconscious. They drive by us, they look at us and they don't let us out. And we're mad because they're conscious and they don't let us out. No matter what it is, we're negative. Why? We love to be negative. It's a habit and it's the only feelings that we have and it makes us feel alive. Have you ever seen somebody really angry, so angry that they actually pound on walls, put their fist through walls, slam doors and do all this? Have you ever noticed how happy they are doing all that? I have. I've noticed that they feel more alive than they feel before or after that event, that that event is invigorating to them that they feel animated and alive, and they like it. And that's why they do it over and over and over again. The weather. How many times do we identify with the weather? I woke up this morning, I looked out the window, it was foggy. I went, oh, foggy. I'm identified. I need to know what to wear. You have to wear certain clothes when it's foggy. You don't want to get too cold. But then we live in Southern California. The sun's going to burn that off in no time at all, and then it's going to be hot. You got to know what to wear because you don't want to be too hot or too cold. You know what? Just do it, man. Just go in there, and here's how I do it. I go into the closet, and I pick up the pair of pants off the hanger that's in line, in rotation. Yeah, that's how I dress. I dress in rotation. I don't bother with it. I take that pair of pants when I'm done with it, and I put it back at the end of the rotation. When it comes up again, I'll wear them again. Yep, that's how I dress. Same thing with the shirts. And if it happens to go with the pants, well, that's nice. If it doesn't go with the pants, well, oh, well. (laughs) You know, then I guess somebody's going to have to fix my fashion sense. You know, they're going to have to hire the Fab Five to come and straighten me out. So, yeah, that's how I dress. (laughs) Odd, isn't it? But you know what? It just doesn't take much energy, and I find that I don't identify much with that stuff. And, you know, I have a lot of energy for other things then, things that I think are important. So, you know, I'm not the best-dressed guy around. Eh, boo-hoo. I'm also not the smartest or the handsomest or the richest or anything else for that matter. So it's okay when you're nobody. It's when you're somebody that it's a real drag. This is why the work encourages us to find and recognize our nothingness, because it will free us. It will free us from our somethingness, from our storiness, from our egoness, from our false personalityness, from our identificationness. A look or not a look, a turn signal, or he didn't use his turn signal, a missing fork on the table. Have you ever seen people in a restaurant give the waiter a rash because there's a missing fork on the place setting? I have. It's like, oh my God. Can we be, like, extra pretentious here? <coughs> Do you know who I am? <coughs> Do you know what this meal is costing me? <coughs> That's nothing to me. I'm rich anyway. <coughs> but you need to be doing your job. Tut, 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 tut. How we tut, tut through life, like little, little tut, tut boats. Tut, 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 tut. Instead of putt-putts, we're tut-tuts. It's just hilarious. When you, when you stand back and look at it, it's like, oh, my God. Could you get over yourself? Tut-tut, no. Tut-tut. Do you know who I am? Tut-tut. As long as we're like this, we're really not doing anything. You see, we think we're doing things. All this busy, 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 busy. And all this busy, busy, busy is just turning this merry-go-round in the schoolyard. That's all it's doing. It's just turning it round and round and round and round and round. You're going nowhere. You're doing nothing. You're going to get dizzy, fall off, throw up, and then you get, and then you get back on it and do it again. This is what we do. This is what this work comes and taps us on the shoulder and says, excuse me, there's something else to be doing here. 
No, no, get away from me. This is the ride I like. I've always done this. My family all did this before me. And my father, my grandfather did this. My great, 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 great. Noah built this ark. And that's why I'm the captain of it. And so here we are. You know, it's like. So we're not doing anything. It's all being done to us. We're being used by life. We're being turned by life. We're being drained by life. We're being reaped by life. We're being sucked by life. We're being harvested by life. Our energy is being drawn by life. People whine about starving children, endangered species, war crimes, human rights, violations. None of this is equal to what life is doing to humanity in our sleep. You take all of these big tragic events. Oh, Hitler killed six million Jews. Yeah, well, that's tragic. And that is nothing compared with the billions and billions of people that life has killed. That's the real tragedy, but we're sound asleep to that. Why? Because we're identified with these little mini documentaries, with these little mini soap operas. Well, I didn't really have time for the whole soap opera, so I just got this little mini five-minute soap opera that I could watch and identify with. And I can drain almost as much energy in five minutes as I used to be able to drain in a month. Wow, that's great. All these things would cease instantly if humanity became conscious. Humanity doesn't know this. We think it's the despot's fault. We think it's Hitler's fault. We think it's Stalin's fault. We think it's Pol Pot's fault. We think it's Bush. We think it's Obama. We think it's this one or that one. Just fill in the blank. Whatever culture you're in, whatever country you're in, fill in the blank of the person who you're blaming. It's their fault. It's the government. It's the Democrats. It's the Republicans. It's the Labor Party. It's the this party. It's the that party. No, it's not. It's life and your identification with it. It all boils down to your identification with life. No, it does not. Stop saying that or I'll kill you. Because that's what we do to people who say this too much. Now, I am safe because nobody cares and nobody's listening to me. There's a handful of people scattered across the world who listen to podcasts. I am no threat to anybody. No one is going to listen to this. No one is going to change over this. This is not going to change the world. This is not going to change anything. This is not going to get anybody elected or keep anybody from being elected. There's not going to be any CNN news story on this. Nobody's going to say, well, James Parkinson said in his podcast today, it's not going to happen, people. I'm safe. I fly under the radar. I can speak the truth all I want. Nobody cares. Because the truth is something that only comes out of the mouth of madmen. Fools and madmen. Losers who can't make it in life. That's how life has it set up. That's how life views these people. You look at this itinerant Jesus and this itinerant Buddha and this nitwit Gandhi who went around dressed in a diaper, you know, and fasted all the time and finally got killed by one of his own people. Why? Because they thought he was giving too much to the other religion. They thought he was being too kind and too loving to the other religion. So they killed him. Great. This is this world. This is what happens in this world. You're a lot better off being nobody. Trust me on this. You're a lot better off being nobody. But nobody wants to be nobody, do they? Everybody's striving to be somebody. I want to be rich. I want to have power. I want to have this. I want to have fame. I want to have fortune. I want people to notice me. I want people to recognize me. I want people to tell me and acknowledge me and validate me. It's like, I'm telling you, you're better off without it. It just sucks your energy, but you're better off without it. But you have to find this out for yourself. You can't listen to this and get it. You have to discover this yourself. We always think it's the despot's fault. We always think it's the Hitler or the Stalin or somebody else. This is our biggest mistake. We fast and pray. We build Star Wars defenses and drop bombs, all hoping to make life stop being the way it is, when it is we who must change, not life. You can never make enough bombs to drop on enough people to change life. You can never put enough Star Wars defenses in outer space to protect you, 
You can never fast and pray enough. You can fast yourself to death, and it will never be enough to change life. What you can do is change yourself. It's the only power you have, and that's what this energy that you are hardwired into, your source, that's what it's for. It's for changing yourself, not for changing the world. So that's why I say it's our biggest mistake. We put our faith in God while he has put our fate in our own hands and said, wake up, you who sleep. That's it. That's our prime directive. Wake up. You want to know what God wants from you? Wake up. You want to know what the source wants from you? Wake up. You want to know what you're for? Wake up. That's what it's about. Wake up. But I am awake. The message is still the same. Wake up. The work is for good householders with Magnetic Center who have realized that life can never fill the void inside of us. They realize that no matter how much they get, it will never be enough. No matter how much they eat, it will never be enough. No matter how much they copulate, it will never be enough. No matter how much money they put in a bank account, it will never be enough. No matter how much money they stuff under their mattress, it will never be enough. No matter how much food they hoard, it will never be enough. No matter how much anything they have, it will never be enough. When you get to that point and you realize it's not going to be enough, you don't stop trying to get it. No, you still try to get it. You just add the work to it. That's all. You just think, well, I'll get that, and while I'm getting, trying to get that, then I'll get this too. So it just becomes another thing you're going to get. And it doesn't work, but you don't give it up. You're not going to give it up, not until you really get it. And when we really get it, who knows? I mean, who knows? You get it when you get it. It takes what it takes. Anyone not having reached that level who attempts to resist life will suffer more than before. If you haven't reached the level of good householder with magnetic center, and I'm sure all of you have, just ask you and you'll tell me, oh yes, of course, I'm a good householder. Look at what a wonderful businessman I am. Look at how I've earned money. Look at how I do this. Look at how I do that. Yes, but have you gotten to the part where you realize that life can never fill the void in you? Well, yes, of course I have. Really? Then why are you still trying to fill the void with things from life? I'm not. (laughs) You know, lying doesn't change it. Pretending that it's some other way doesn't change it. The only thing that changes it is waking up. Waking up and genuinely, absolutely, sincerely realizing it. And you understand, this isn't going to work. And so you give it up. You don't continue to chase the carrot. You give it up. You just give it up. What does that mean, you give it up? You have to work. You have to do this. Yes, but you give it up. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you haven't been able to give it up yet. We must rebel against ourselves, not life. People come into this work imagining they'll be transformed in weeks or months. They do. I get emails from them all the time. I've been doing this work since blah, 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 blah. And then I say, okay, and they think they're awake. And then I just point out a couple of things and they write back. And if they write back, sometimes they're so offended that they just go away. Connie and I were talking about this the other night. I hear from a lot of women, not so many men. And there were a couple of women who I'd heard from, this is over years. And one woman, I mentioned something in a podcast about something she'd written. I didn't say who it was or anything. It was all anonymous. But I mentioned something. But she would recognize herself. This was years ago. Never got another email from her. She was emailing me almost every day. Never got another email from her. Why? Because I told the truth about something that she was doing. She saw it. And her self-love was so wounded that she decided that I was bunk. Because that's what we decide when our self-love is wounded. We decide that whoever wounded our self-love is the enemy. They're bunk. And we discount them. We invalidate them. We get rid of them. That's what we do. And so she decided that and she was gone. And that was it. I knew even when I was making the podcast what was going to happen. Because it's always the ones who weigh in with, I studied personally under Gurdjieff's personal secretary or personal chair mover or personal cook or personal whatever. And he had me doing this for 10 years. He had me drawing a line, the same line and erasing it for 10 years. It's like, 
Okay, and so this means what? Well, this means I'm somebody. And how dare you say anything about me because my self-love is all about the work now and you said something about my work and not being as perfect as I think it is and so therefore you don't know anything about this work. You're bunk. Yeah. It's amazing how people get their self-love wounded and they become insane and they never see it. Never see it. But I've been in the work all these years and Gurdjieff himself taught me. I don't care. I don't care if you polished his head so that he shone light throughout all of France. I don't care. This is not about Gurdjieff. This is about you, you idiot. This is about what you do, not who you studied with, not what books you read, not how long you did it. I don't care how long you banged your head against a brick wall. That doesn't interest me at all. I just want to know when you've learned to stop banging your head against a brick wall. When you finally came to your senses and said, you know, this isn't working. And you started to see that you were an idiot. That's what I'm interested in. And I'm interested in where that led to. Did you see you were an idiot in some other area? And then some other area? And have you yet found areas where you are still an idiot? That's what I'm looking for. Because this is about working. This isn't about sitting on your rump, being satisfied because you polished Gurdjieff's head and all of France got light from it. I'm not interested in that. What are you doing now? I don't care how many holes you dug or filled back in. I don't care how many cabbage patches were turned over because you were tending them and you were too identified with them. I'm not interested in that. What I am interested in is, what are you doing now? And I'm really not that interested in that either. I'm interested in what I'm doing now. We teach people not to identify, and they don't understand what it means. They keep taking life seriously, like every event is a fact. It's amazing. You read something in the newspaper and you believe it. If somebody says, the stock market crashed, you don't have any money left. People jump out of windows. Why? Because they believe that the events in life mean something. The events in life don't mean anything until you give them meaning. But when you're identified with them, you've given them all the meaning that you have. You've given them yourself. For example, how many times have you been told you're under 48 orders of laws? Yet still, you don't see what it means. You go through your life identifying with everything or, okay, not everything. You're different than everyone else. You go through your life just identifying with 95% of everything. So you've got 5% free. You've got 5% wiggle room. And that's your investment of five years is 5% wiggle room. So you don't identify with 5% of the events in life. You know, and I'm pretty sure that almost anybody out there doesn't identify with 5% of the events in life. Why not? And they don't care. Eh, my dog ain't in that fight. I don't care about that. So they let that event go. They don't congratulate themselves for polishing Gurdjieff's head and shedding light throughout all of Europe. They just say, well, I just don't care. I don't care about that. They don't call it work. But we do, we do it. We call it work. The things we don't care about, we don't identify with, we call, wow, I'm sure working now. Man, I'm pretty sure I need a break. And I deserve some kind of reward and acknowledgement and validation about that, don't I? So I'm going to go to the meeting and uh, I'm going to tell everybody what I did and then they're going to validate me. Cool. Do that. This is not non-identification, people, just for the record. Once we become conscious of the mechanical nature of events, we have two ways to deal with them. We can try to separate from them or we can will them. We separate from their power by not identifying. We fall under the power of that with which we identify. So anything that you identify with, I don't care what it is, it could be a flea on your leg. If you identify with that flea on your leg, you have fallen under the power of that flea on your leg. And when that flea bites you, you will be completely identified with it. Now think about it. A flea, for God's sake. You can get identified, or a fly, or a gnat buzzing around your nose, or your eye, or your ear. You get identified with that, and you are under its power. You are like a maniac swatting. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody would take a video of you around a gnat or a fly or a bee. I've seen people around a bee <laughs> running around like idiots. 
God, lighten up. It's a bee. I'm deathly allergic to bees. If a bee stings me, I'll have, what is it called? Anaphylactic, Anaphylactic shock and I'll die. Don't you think that would be better than being run by a bee? I mean, if you're that weak, then isn't it just better to just die and get it over with? I mean, fall to the power of the king bee, you know? Yes, worship the king bee. You know, it's like, oh, oh excuse me, it's the queen bee, isn't it? I always get it wrong. You get my drift. The things we identify with, the things that we become, we fall under their power. It's absurd. You know, a baby cries. A whole house full of people fall under its power. Oh, the baby's crying. Oh, quick, do this, do that. Change it, burp it, do this, do that. Feed it. Give it a toy. Oh, my God. Come on, people. Wake up. (coughs) This is all the work is saying. Look, wake up. You don't have to be under the power of every little thing in life, or every big thing for that matter. You don't have to be. You could wake up. You could separate. You could stop identifying. How do you do that? Well, it's another question, isn't it? So the other way, other than separating, not identifying, is to will them. Fear is a good thing to observe in yourself. Why do I say this? Well, I say this because there's no lack of substance in you to observe. You are really basically full of fear. Think about it. It's the one thing you're never free from. It's the one thing you have lurking in the back of your mind all the time. And if you don't believe me, look at how easily you're startled. If you don't believe me, look at how easily you become afraid if someone does something that you didn't expect. If you hear a loud noise, if you hear a car alarm, if this happens or that happens. I mean, think about how quickly you jump right into fear. Why is that? Well, because it's just right under the surface waiting. That's why. It's just waiting. And it's such a small leap from where we are to fear. It's really not a leap at all. All we have to do is just kind of nothing. It just kind of comes up like water, splashes up, splashes on us, and we're afraid. So fear is a good thing to observe in yourself because there's no shortage of material. So you can work almost all the time. Will to happen what you fear. This is really what this work teaches. Will to happen what you fear. Now, I remember one time Steve's oldest son was in the hospital and they thought he was going to die. Isn't that it? And he came and talked to me about it. And I said, well, just will it, basically. Just will it. Okay, he's going to die. That's that. I accept that. Now go and be with your son who's going to die. And the fear was gone, right? Will it. This is the secret. Will it. Will it? Well, this is what I want to happen. That's fine. I will this. With whatever will you have, if you've got much will. Nobody here has. But with the little bit of will you have, at least will it. Oh, I'm still afraid of heights. Will it? Will falling off. What's going to happen? Well, I'm going to fall off. I'm going to hit the ground. I'm going to die. Will it? Just go right ahead and will it. Okay, so I'm going to walk right up here to this ledge. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to look over. And my fear is that I'm going to be pulled over the edge and I'm going to die. So I go over and I stand there and I look down and I feel the fear and I will it. And I said, fine, then I'll be pulled over and I'll die. And I notice that I'm not pulled over and the fear vanishes. Does that mean it doesn't come back? No. No, it doesn't mean it doesn't come back. It means that it's weaker. And the next time it comes back, it'll come back weaker. And the next time it comes back, I'll be stronger because I will know what to do. I'll know to will it. So I put a lot of stock in this will it business. Will to happen what you fear. Fear's power over you is pictures. A picture of the horrible thing having taken place. A plane crash, a car crash, this or that. My wife leaves, my kid dies, this happens, that happens, whatever. I lose all my money, whatever. I lose my job and I'm destitute and I'm living out on the street under a freeway overpass and then the police come and get me because I'm not allowed to, and then they take me to jail and then some bad person gets put in a cell with me and they kill me in the night or worse whatever. Will it. Just will it. See it through. Just take it right to its conclusion. And then ask yourself, who's looking at the picture? Who's looking at that picture? Well, you are. And you're undamaged. Therefore, there's nothing to fear. It will free you. Will it to happen, and you will see the fear vanish.
follow it through. This works with many things. Will to do what you have to do rather than looking for a way out of it or wasting energy dreading it. I've got to go to DMV and and have an eye test and oh, I just know I'm going to have to get glasses and blah, 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 blah. Then will it. Will to do the thing that you have to do. Rather than dreading it, putting it off, will it. Set the appointment, do it. That's how you handle fear. I've told people, you remember I used to tell the children when they were afraid of something. I'd say, okay, I'd get a brown paper bag. I'd say, okay, put it in the bag. Put your fear in the bag. Then roll it up, stick it under your arm. Okay, now go do what you're afraid to do. You got your fear under your arm. You're not going to be without it, so don't worry about it. It'll be right there with you. Now go do what you have to do. Then they'd come back after they did it. Give me the brown paper bag. Where's the fear? It's not there. Right. And that's how it happens. It vanishes. It vanishes when you face it. So will it. Face it. That's what I recommend. If an event is inevitable, you can either not identify with it or will it and go with it. Look, if the police are at your door and they've got handcuffs and they've got the SWAT team and they've got a warrant for your arrest, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and wait for them to come through the windows and the doors and throw you on the floor and smoke bombs and stun bombs and all this other stuff? Or are you just going to get up, go to the door and present your wrists? My recommendation is you get up, go to the door and present your wrist, take your phone call, call your lawyer, and if it wasn't you, maybe you'll get off. And if it was you, you probably will get off. (laughs) Because this world doesn't have justice. So it doesn't work the way you think it's going to work, the way you think it should work. It works the way it works, not some other way. So get used to it and will it. So how do I want it to work? I want it to work the way it works. Why? Because I'm not stupid, because I'm waking up. Because I see there's nothing I can do about it, but there's everything that I can do about what I think about it and how I feel about it, how I respond to it. Of course, this all seems incredibly unreasonable. See, the problem is, is that things happen in life. What do we do? We get negative. The police are at the door. They're all around the house. We have the house surrounded. Come out with your hands up. You have 30 seconds to throw out all your guns. Come out. You don't have any guns. How am I going to throw out guns? Oh, quick. Go get the kids' toy guns. Throw them out. What are we going to do? Oh, they're going to kill us all. It's all this negativity. Just because you can't do what you want to do. What was it? I wanted to finish watching The Simpsons. Now the police are here. And now they've only given me 30 seconds, but it's now it's a commercial break, and I have to find out what Homer's going to do. Oh. I know, I'm making light of it. But, you know, when you start to wake up, it really is light. You know, our stories are lightweight. When you start to wake up, it's just also lightweight. It's like, oh, yes, that's right. I remember that time I was swatting that fly or that bee or that gnat, and it got me so upset I punched a hole in a... You know, I knocked out a window or I did this. Did you remember? Wasn't it Bill in the truck? What, he smashed a dash one time and he smashed a windshield another time? Swatting a bee. Because he was afraid it was going to sting him. He wiped out a whole windshield, a whole dash, pounding on this bee because he thought it might sting him. And it's like, what did that cost him? It cost him hundreds of dollars. What an idiot. <laughs> You're laughing about it like, oh, my God, that's right. That really happened. This is not uh, world's funniest home videos. This really happened. Amazing. And you look at that and you think, that's absurd. Yes, but everything you do is just as absurd. But you don't see that. You only see his absurdity. But this work says, don't worry about his absurdity. Look at your own. So yeah, it seems unreasonable. Like not being allowed to buy the book that we're studying on Wednesday night. That's not reasonable. Why can't I have the book? He has the book. He just wants to be smarter than us. He just doesn't want us to be as smart as him. That's why he's keeping us from having the book. He won't let, well, I'm going to get it anyway, because this is unreasonable. I don't have to listen to him. He's just, that's just his ego. And I'm not going to take that. He's not going to hold me back. I'm going to get this book and I'm going to learn everything. I'm going to be better than him. I'll be his teacher before long. Yeah, you already are.
You already are my teacher. Trust me on this. I am your student, all of you, every single one of you, and every bee and fly and gnat and flea in life is my teacher, every single one of them, because I know that I'm nothing, and I know that I don't know anything, and I know that all I can do is see more. Just call me Seymour. <laughs> I'm changing my name to Seymour because I know I need to see more. We waste so much energy resisting, fretting. We reason about all of these things. And the truth is that willing it would set us free. All you have to do is will it. I don't want to get the book. I'm so glad he told me not to get the book. I don't want to get another book. The last thing in the world I want is another book. <laughs> Save a tree. Forget the book. Oh, I can have it electronically? Fine. I don't want to read it. Thank God I don't have to read another book. Thank you for telling me not to read that. But thank you for telling me not to get that book. No, you're not going to do that. Not you. You're going to resist it. You're going to fight it. You're going to say it's unreasonable. You're going to say, poor me. You're going to make all kinds of slanderous comments in your own mind. You're going to be libelous because you're going to write it in your journal. That jerk wouldn't let me get the book. And blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, when you will to do what you have to do, you free yourself inside, which is the only place you can really be free after all. You think about it. Where did Bunyan write The Pilgrim's Progress from? Prison. That's right, prison. And that book is a classic. And that book is a mind and a heart set free. Because it didn't matter that he was in prison. And it doesn't matter that you're in prison because your prison is worse than his prison. His prison was recognizable. Your prison you call freedom. You're in worse shape than Bunyan. You're less free and you're more imprisoned. And he was locked up. And you've locked yourself up in your own mind. This is the only real freedom that there is. Inner freedom. There is no other freedom. You will never have freedom externally. It's impossible. In these bodies, it cannot be done. You must eat. You must breathe. You must move. You must do all of these things. Your heart must beat. Your lungs must have air. They've got to be pumping. It's got to be working all the time. There's no freedom in that. You're a slave to it. The only freedom you can ever have is inside. Will it with all your might. What you have to do, do with all of your might and do it with excellence as if you loved it. It's not pretending. It's using what little will you may have to your advantage. Well, that's just pretending. If I, if I pretend that I love it, I'm not asking you to pretend you love it. I'm asking you to will it with all of your might and to do it with excellence to the best of your ability with all of the consciousness that you can bring to it. Do it. That's what I'm saying. Observe what you object to during the day and will it. Whatever it is you're objecting to during the day, will it? I have to pay taxes. Will it? I want to pay taxes. Why do you want to pay taxes? I have to pay bills. I just got the water bill. You know, they raised the water rates again. It's like, wow, my water usage was 12.5% less than this time last year. And the bill was like almost double. And I thought, wow, oh, the injustice. Rah, 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 rah. And then I thought, wait a second, dude, just will it. Hey, I want to pay this bill. I'm going to get out the checkbook and write the check right now. I'm so grateful that I had the money for this. And not only that, I've got money left over. I could go to dinner tonight if I wanted to. I can go fill up a swimming pool if I want to. I've got that much money left. I got so much money left, I could probably buy months more of water. So that's not the point. That's not what we do. We don't will it. We resist it. We object to it. We whine and whimper and complain. And I say, will it. And the work says, will it. Do it. And do it with gratitude. Don't just accept it or resign yourself to it. Will it. Look at the energy wasted when you get angry over not being able to do what you want or having to do something else. The phone rings and you're cooking dinner or you're watching TV or you're watching a movie. The phone rings and you have to go answer it. And you get all annoyed at that. I'm, why did I have to call now? And it's, well, uh, this is the wrong number. Why was I so stupid? Why do you have to answer the phone? Blah, 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 blah. Look at the energy wasted on that. We say to ourselves, this is so unfair. Truth is, everything in life is unfair. There is no justice or fairness on earth. 
Get used to this. There is no justice. This should be your mantra. There is no justice or fairness on earth. But the problem is, instead of making you light and happy, it makes you depressed and negative. There's no justice or fairness on earth. Great. Well, that's out of the way. Let's move on to something we can do something about. But no, you don't look at it that way. You start political rallies. You start political campaigns. You start rambling and ranting to your neighbors or doing this or fretting or pounding on things or yelling at the newspaper or yelling at the television or yelling at the news or that stupid this and that stupid that. There is no justice. There is no fairness on earth. That's the way it is. Accept it. Will it. I don't want there to be justice and fairness on earth. If there's justice on fairness on earth, I might be inclined to stay here for some of it. And that's a low percentage thing to do. Our idea of justice on earth is an illusion because we're sleeping in a lunatic asylum. There's no justice or fairness here because we're all asleep and insane with negative emotions. You don't get justice and fairness from a bunch of lunatics. We are a bunch of sleeping lunatics in an insane asylum. This is what negative emotions make of us. They make us crazy. They make us insane. They make us crack one another's skulls. They make us hate one another. They make us want to kill one another. We do kill one another. Thousands at a time. Millions if we could. Or just enjoy a few here or a few there. Only if everyone becomes conscious would we see justice and fairness. Justice and fairness can only come from consciousness. It can't come from unconsciousness. It can't come from negativity. It is impossible. It doesn't work like that. Rather than waste energy referring everything to the idea of justice and fairness, will what you have to do. And instead of wasting your energy doing that, try to awaken from your negative emotions. Will what you have to do. And in that moment of willing what you have to do, this is what I have to do right now. In that moment, try to awaken from your negative emotions. Try to say, that is not I. Try to become aware of your negativity and separate from it. Step back from it. Just take a step back from it so that you can look at it in front of you. Kicking against the goads will never bring you peace or free you inside because it only makes you more negative. Resisting only makes you more negative. Why do you think Jesus said resist not evil? He said resist not evil because it only makes you more negative. But he wasn't talking about what you do outside. He was talking about what you do inside. People think, well, what am I supposed to do? Just let... Okay, so you're a woman and somebody comes and they knock on your door. And they say, I'm the meter reader, and you know your meter's outside. Let me in. I'm the meter reader. And, you, and he's wearing a funny outfit, and you, you know he's not the meter reader. But you know he's the serial rapist that's been going around the neighborhood, and you've heard all about it, and all your neighbors have told you about it. What am I supposed to do? Just let him in because he knocked on the door and said he's the meter reader? Just let him in and rape me? Well, yeah, if you want to do that. But that's not what Jesus was talking about, resist not evil. He was talking about inside. Of course you don't let him in. You just go call 911 and say, you know that serial rapist with the bozo nose that you're looking for? He's here at my door and this is the address. You ought to come and get him now because I'm not going to let him in, okay? That's all. But that's not not resisting evil. No, that is not resisting evil if your heart's right. It's not what you do outside. It's what you do inside. It's the intention of your heart that matters. So kicking against the goads in an outer way is not what we're talking about. We're talking about kicking against the goads in an inner way, resisting in an inner way. This is what keeps you bound. This is what makes you more negative. Sometimes it's best not to identify with events. Other times it's best to will them. Sometimes it's best to do both. Don't identify with it and will it. Rich Nicole said, we have to will one another. This is the beginning of conscious love.
I could talk about that statement for a long time, but I'm not going to. Just know that you have to will every person in this room. You have to will every person in your life. That's the only way you're ever going to make it to conscious love. You're going to have to will the people in the world and will them to do exactly what they're doing. That's the only way you are ever going to make it to conscious love. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.